Among the aspects of life most affected by coronavirus, the food chain is one of the greatest concerns for consumers and for producers across the agriculture industry, which employs millions across the United States. Dealing with some of these issues is Clay Detlefson. He is the Senior Vice President of Regulatory and Environmental Affairs, as well as the Staff Counsel for the National Milk Producers Federation. But today we want to talk to him a little bit more about his capacity as the Private Sector Chair of the Food and Agricultural Sector Coordinating Council. Now, this was an organization that was set up shortly after the 9-11 terror attacks. It got its baptism by fire after Hurricane Katrina that basically is at the nexus of the government and private sector and emergency response whenever there is a threat to the food transportation, distribution, and production system. Uh, Clay has been a very busy man, as you can understand, the last few days, but he's had the uh, good nature and good heart to speak with us and thus to all of you today um, in this special podcast. Clay, thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So tell us what you've been dealing with lately and some of the conversations that you've been having. Uh, obviously, you work at the National Milk Producers Federation, so we're going to talk to you a lot about dairy, but this is actually a much broader group. Could you tell us a little bit about this organization and some of the challenges it has faced in the previous few days? After 9-11, the government stood up 16 different critical infrastructure sectors. The one that I'm involved with is called the food and ag sector. We are overseen for the most part by the Department of Homeland Security. It's in their charter. Um, but our partners are, are actually the Food and Drug Administration, the United States Department of Agriculture, Department of Homeland Security. And we also have state, local and tribal affiliates. So it's this collective of private sector and government. We represent the entire spectrum of the food and ag sector. So we include the restaurants, we include the farms. It's all in our mix. So as the disparate elements of the food chain is looking at government response, uh, how are we seeing things operating presently? Uh, what are the challenges you and your colleagues are seeing and how are they being faced? Sadly, there's a multitude of challenges that we're dealing with. Um, there's obviously shortages in grocery stores. Um, restaurants have been largely shut down. It's difficult to get food to where it's needed, but actually there is plenty of food. It's very important to realize we do not have a food shortage in this country. We have a bit of a distribution problem caused largely by consumers, in essence, over-consuming. It's our understanding that some folks are buying as much as three times as much product as they normally would, and that's hard to keep up with. But there's plenty of food in this country. There is no food shortage. So that's a major issue. Then we've got access issues. We have communities that are imposing curfews. You can't get food to a grocery store or other location if the police won't let that vehicle move. So it's really important that we clean up these curfew issues and allow the products to flow. We also have workers that have been harassed or detained by law enforcement in certain jurisdictions because they're violating the curfews. If we can't get workers into the food production facilities, we can't make food. If we can't transport the goods, people can't have those goods. So we got a lot of problems. We're working really, really hard. And I think we're making progress. Department of Homeland Security has really taken uh, involvement in this and uh, I think we'll see some improvement within the next week, if not sooner. How would you uh, characterize the response to this crisis as compared to, say, a Hurricane Katrina? <laughs> Night and day difference. We're light years beyond where we were in the past. Um, 
See, and that seems sort of surprising, Clay, because because Katrina was very much, you know, this was the Mississippi River. This is a one note of the network. This is a nationwide situation, and yet you say the food system's doing better. I mean, we're dealing with a nationwide situation, so it's even bigger than Katrina in some respects. But keep in mind, the food and ag sector and all the critical infrastructure sectors were very young back then. We had no experience. Since Katrina, we're engaged every time there's a hurricane, every time there's any kind of a a major disaster or crisis. So we've learned how to work much better together, and the collaboration is incredible these days. I'm I'm very pleased with the feedback and and response I'm getting from other trade associations, from consumer packaged good companies, the private sector in general, and all our stakeholders. And I think the government is just bending over backwards to help us in every way they can. You know, that said, um, when you say the word government, you're not really talking about a singular entity. Uh, You have so many agencies, so many governments, so many jurisdictions involved in handling this crisis. Um, What sort of logistical concerns pop up and how does the food industry deal with them? Well, our biggest issue right now is, yes, we're well connected with the many, many entities in the federal government. And we do have tentacles that reach out to the states. But a lot of decisions are being made, not just by state governors, but also by localities. And that's where we really are lacking the ability to reach out and explain what needs to be done and what should not be done. So that's a major issue for us that we're trying to resolve. And a lot of people are working on it. So what sort of preparations are you seeing underway now for the sorts of disruptions we may be able to anticipate over the next few weeks? Again, there is plenty of food in the system. We just have to get that food to where it's needed, to the grocery stores, to the restaurants that are operating, carry out or delivery. Doing that means that we can't have hurdles in our way. So we're basically trying to take down the hurdles, whether it's, you know, a curfew or or restrictions on who can be on the roads, etc. We need to fix that. You, you, I mean, truckers are out there trying to deliver goods. And there's folks out there that are trying to shut down the truck stops. If the trucker can't do what he needs to do, get food and rest, but those goods aren't going to get to where they need. So we've got to knock down all of these hurdles and allow the food industry to do what it does best, get food to consumers. You know, when you're talking about truckers um, and and sectors that really are reliant on timely transportation, uh, you know, your day job in in dairy is something that springs to mind. Um, Turning to dairy, what are some of the unique challenges the supply chain faces? In the minor area, we have things like vitamin shortages, feed additive shortages, largely related to China. China's been a mess, as you know, for the last couple of months. Um, They are improving, thankfully. Uh, We're anticipating that the ports in China will normalize in the near future. Those shipments will once again start flowing to the United States. So we'll we'll take care of that. Um, That right now is probably, and, and I'm calling it minor, So that's going to resolve itself. Our biggest issue now is trying to keep up with an incredible consumer demand. I mean, I've heard rumors that perhaps as much as 300% more fluid milk is being sold these days. That's tough to produce and get to the market 
and keep the grocery store shelves stocked. Oh, well, I think it's an issue that pretty much every shopper has encountered in the last few weeks. You know, you, you go to the refrigerated section of the grocery store and, you know, if I want to buy a beverage, you know, it doesn't seem like people are buying anything made out of oats, almonds, or soy. Um, but if you're looking for milk, um, it's, it's quite at a premium. People are stocking up on this. If you take a look at how the industry is responding to it, do consumers just need to take a little bit of a deep breath on this? Yeah, I think the common advice that's out there right now is consume what you need immediately. You know, I've, I've seen websites and, and other communications out there. Oh, yeah, go to the store, buy all your milk, you can freeze it and then thaw it later. We don't want people going in there buying 10, 15 gallons of milk and then trying to pack it in a freezer. That's not going to help the situation. Buy a gallon, buy two gallons, three at the most leave some there for the other consumers. This may be the only time you hear someone from the dairy sector say, hold off on the milk buying a little bit. Um, clearly, it's, it's, it's popular enough for everyone and more. In many respects, it's a comfort food and people are in stressful times. It's nice to be able to pull a glass of milk out of your refrigerator. So we encourage that. And so in terms of the response you've seen, and, and I'm, I'm going back industry-wide now, you know, what has particularly impressed you about the response and, and what needs to be worked on a little bit more? We are working together in an incredible fashion. I mean, I spend early morning to late at night talking with all sorts of entities, government, private sector. We're trying to figure out how best to improve the problems that we have and how to share information. The government does a real good job making decisions when they have the information they need to make the correct decision. We are going full force on getting them that information and they're sharing their concerns with us. I've never seen this kind of cooperation before. This is incredible. It's a wonderful thing. So as a consumer, what's the most important thing I need to know about the food supply and my ability to, to feed myself and my family over the next few weeks? There is plenty of food out there. You're not going to be calorie deficient. You're not going to be malnourished. Yes, you may experience a shortage of a particular brand or a particular product. Maybe you can't get chocolate milk today, but you can get white milk. And maybe you should go to the aisle where they have Nestle's Quick, and then you can make your chocolate milk. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about choices. But overall, there's plenty of food in this country. Anything that uh, we didn't go over that, that people should know about? I think they need to just relax a little bit, cooperate, follow all the government restrictions uh, or recommendations like social distancing, etc. Try not to be a hoarder and be patient. Uh, no fighting in grocery stores over that last gallon of milk that's sitting on the shelf. Um, we're in a tough time. We got to cooperate together. I'm glad the folks that I'm working with are really working well together. We all need to work well together in this country. Clay Detlefson, thank you for your time. Thank you, Alan. Very nice to be here. That was Clay Detlefson, the Senior Vice President of Regulatory and Environmental Affairs, as well as the Staff Counsel for the National Milk Producers Federation, also serving a very important role today in our nation's food system uh, in reassuring consumers and making sure that any infrastructure transportation issues are, are dealt with in a prompt fashion for the safety of the workers and consumers. He is the private sector chair of the Food and Agricultural Sector Coordinating Council. And we will be back with you with more information in the upcoming days. Thank you for listening.